the world would seem still and at peace. But if it were the boat train station at Folkestone, then everyone would be carrying on as if the 24-hour life of the railway was normal and not the saggy-lidded nightmarish parade of shadows it is. Oh, the night is sundered by the rolling, bellowing action of a great fire-breathing locomotive which, like all the others, rolls and screeches night and day making money for the owners. <laughs> Nothing will be said about the tangled metal the serene corpse faces turned away from the obscene injuries, the exposed bone or the sputum splash of others' brains on a cheek. It's all iron and fire and steam. And we sleepwalk into the damned future. We'll sleep and don't dream. Just sleep. The Signalman by Charles Dickens. Adapted for radio by Jonathan Holloway. The Signalman. This is my story. It all started when I decided to take a walking trip in Sussex. I do supply slip-ons, sir, for the gentlemen, so they don't have to wear their big-nailed hiking boots indoors. So, you can leave them boots by the door when you come in, and then they'll be cleaned and ready for you when you go out again. Mud sticks between them nails. Had some of those climbers once. Had to replace three stairs. Good morning, Mrs Carter. Now, of course, I am sorry when I get back. I shall remember to change out of them right here... On this very spot. I hope you enjoyed your breakfast, sir. 
All things considered... It was plentiful and delightful. I'm only sorry I couldn't consume more. Um, My dear Mrs Carter, I I don't understand. Am I missing something? Pardon, sir? All things considered? Oh, it's only that the boot boy said he heard you in the night. You weren't sleeping very well? He said you cried out. And there was language involved, I am sorry to say. Ah. I see. Well, I should apologise. Um, I, I have dreams, you know. Sorry to hear it, sir. My husband, he has dreams too, sir. Hmm? The Afghans. Oh. A while ago. But he still gets them dreams. Oh, dear. Well, well, I shouldn't stand around wasting the day. Oh. I, 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 I walk them off. You see, the, the, the dreams. And, and I haven't visited this part of Sussex previously. Shall you want a meal this evening, sir? Oh, don't, don't worry about me. I, I have some brawn and tongue and a knob of bread upstairs that need finishing. Well, perhaps you'd be kind enough to leave a, a beaker of ale beside the bed for me. It shall be done, sir. Uh, now then, I, um, I read up on the area before I came down. I, I've got my... Bacon Sussex guidebook. It says there is a view from an escarpment. Uh, That's my target. I believe from here one goes down through a hollowway and then up onto a sort of hog's back. Can you tell me how I'll know when to turn off from the main road? Come out of our yard and Mm -hmm. go down hill. Mm -hmm. You'll see a gate on the left that opens onto a nice made path. That goes down as far as the almshouses. Then it becomes just a cinder track into the trees, which rises and lets you out onto open fields. It's about an hour's brisk march, or more like an hour and a half for mortals, to get to the views and that. Oh, and there's a railway line too. So I believe it, it was an engineering marvel in its day, wasn't it? Cuttings either end with a long tunnel in between them travelling below the hill. They found some things back when they was digging. Oh, what sort of things? <laughs> well, I don't know. All went up to London to be exhibited. And I'll just say, if you stop anywhere for refreshments, they might have slip-ons. And it would be polite to, um, you know. Yes. Yes, uh, of course. Very good. Well, i better get along. I, I, I shall be seeing you soon. Mrs. Carter. No doubt you shall, sir. After all, you can't run off on account of your portmanteau is still sitting upstairs. That's better. Fresh. Just a hint of something sharp. The turn of the year. Miss Stephen over there. (sighs) Could be a dream. Where it comes. And then it goes. Like that. Here it is again. Oh. Perhaps having a look will be fun. Isn't it about time I shook off my dread and 
disappeared into one of those blackened entrances again? Come on, John, I dare you. Very well, Hoffam. I accept your dimmed challenge. Here we are. A pleasingly deep and dark railway cutting. I wonder where Orpheus has taken himself off to. Indeed, there is someone down there, staring into the tunnel entrance. Hello! Below there! I say, look out! Can you hear me? I see you, and you know I do. What's your business? Oh, good! You've got me! I hope I didn't surprise you. I'm expected to keep my eyes open. Why are you shouting like that? Well, for that matter, why were you, my dear fellow, staring into the tunnel like that? I fancy that something... I, I, I can't hear you! Something might be wrong! And is it? Hard to tell. Can I come down? Why would you want to? Oh, you know, curiosity. Are you telling me this place is new to you? Of course it is. And you have not stood over there by the mouth of the tunnel and spied on me while I went about my task? Stood where, for heaven's sake? Stood below that warning lamp next to the tunnel entrance. Oh, of course not. Anyway, I, I can't see it from here. I, I don't really know what you're pointing at. There's a path. Over there near the signal box. But go carefully. This graveled and some of it was washed away in August. Radio. Over there, you say? I'll be with you in a moment. Ah, phew, eh? <laughs> Takes me back to running down the bank at Sisbury Ring when I was little. Ellen says I lead my, my life that way, running headlong into trouble. Oh, phew. I'm out of condition, it seems. Oh. How do you do? Uh, my name is Huffam. Do I need to know your name? Well, uh, no. No, it would seem not. Uh, I don't use the name by which I'm commonly known, you see. What do you mean? That's the behaviour of a vagabond, if you don't mind me saying. No, well, well actually, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say it. Why would you be embarrassed to say it? All right, I, uh, I have a small reputation, but, but of course that's no reason you should know me. I, I travel using my middle names, John and Huff. I see. Well, good afternoon, Mr. Hoffam, sir. How can I help you? Unusual sound. What on earth was it? The telegraph wires, sir. They're stretched tight, and when the wind's coming through the tunnel, it catches them, and they, they work up that noise, sir. Really? 
It's as if some, some giant were exhaling. Dead breath. Like the gasp you and I will make when our time comes. Yeah. Um. Oh, I, could, I could do with a, a cup of tea and somewhere to perch rather than drink it. Do you think that's possible? You all right with stairs, sir? You're fine, yes. Although well, I'm sure Mrs. Carter of the Sussex Arms would find fault. <laughs> Why is that, sir? Yeah, never mind. Shall we make our way up into the signal box, then? You certainly seem to know what you want. Like Mrs. Carter, who doesn't like my boots. Boots of no concern here, sir. There are metal plates on the planking, London, Brighton and South Coast Railway. It's written on them. I know the locomotive that comes through. It's, it's just been introduced. A, a Lion's D-class, if I'm not mistaken. Brown livery. Fancy you knowing that. Truth is... I know more about the railways in this part of the world than I'd like to. Oh, but I do so enjoy the smell of the oil on those levers. <laughs> we use a cloth wrapped around the grip when we change the signal to stop that oil getting on our cuffs. And if it's busy... Uh, stop from getting blisters, I suppose? Yeah, pardon, sir. There's water in the kettle. I'll put it on the stove. You do stare at me so. Well, yes, I am familiar with your face, sir. But not because you were in the public eye. Yeah, anyway, you've... Uh, you've got your, your stove going already? <laughs> but the summer isn't entirely over, surely. Well, no stove, no tea. And tea is a necessity. She is always a chill in this cutting. It's never warm down here. Sun never quite reached it. Below there. Look out. Where is it? Is there something the matter? It's the telegraph bell. I, 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 I didn't hear it ring. No. It, it, it didn't. But you think you hear it, even if it hasn't rung. Concentrating hard for so long, your mind plays tricks. What are you... Uh, what are you looking at? Below where you were standing when you were up on the ridge, when you first arrived. See the red light on the bracket to the left, mm -hmm. beside the tunnel entrance? That's what I was talking about, and you said you couldn't see it. Ah, yes, I... I couldn't see it from... from up top, you mean. Mm -hmm. I imagine maintaining that is... is a part of your duty. You know full well it is. Well... Indeed. <laughs> you, you know, you look at me as if... Well, frankly, as if you have a, a, a dread 
of me. I'm sorry, sir. Please forgive my preoccupation. You're alone so much down here, one, one loses one's manners. I do think that perhaps I've seen your face somewhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, whereabouts do you think that would have been? I have to confess, I, I sometimes do um, public readings of my work. No, sir. There, beneath that red warning light. But, but why on earth would I have been there? I, I swear, I have never stood there. Not in all my life. I absolutely swear it. Then, I'm sorry I said it. I made a mistake. So uh, alertness, you see. Watchfulness. They are paramount in my job. Tedium poisons one's mind. Yeah, as evidenced when just now you imagined the warning bell had sounded. Look, you, you must understand, the actual work is almost nothing. People would scoff and say, that's easy. I changed the signal with whichever of those levers is appropriate. I trim the wicks in the lights outside over there and in here. I wave the trains through to show the track is clear. I flick the small telegraph lever at the times required in order to show that all's well. Easy. Protecting hundreds of lives every day. Oh, I'm terribly... Oh, oh how, how rude of me. Oh, please forgive me. Oh, it's quite a cosy eerie you keep here. Please, please, you, you were saying. Well, I have to leave notes to remind myself not to neglect my studies. I have a few books, you see, on languages, fractions and decimals. And even one on science when it was called natural philosophy. <laughs> Sometimes, all I have energy for is staring. Forgive me for, for saying so, but I, I don't think you can argue against an observation that you appear rather, um, rather distracted. No, sir. Distracted? Not me, sir. Not when lives are at stake. Distracted is the thing you never can be. It was now that my story began to take an unexpected turn. It was clear I'd hit a nerve. The man's tenure depended on his reliability. As a man of the arts and independent of employers, as such, it's easy to forget the living of others depends on how assiduous ordinary men might appear. There you are, I see. All's well. Sir? 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 Oh! What? Oh! Oh! 
Oh, I am sorry. I, I dozed off. Oh, please forgive me. It's all right, sir. All's well. I imagine you dozed because you've been walking. And it's warm where you are beside the fire. I'm really very sorry. Oh, it's, it's getting darker. I think I must go back to my lodgings. Oh, dear. Oh, it looks cold out there. <laughs> am I, am I rosy cheeks from resting my head towards the fireplace? I believe you are, sir. Yeah, I, I have found today really very interesting. Well, I wouldn't have said there's much to see. I do so very little. But, but what you do carries responsibility for many lives. Lives, sir? Yes. <sighs> Hundreds every day. They rely on these few actions of mine. But there are events to keep you on your toes. Whether they come from inside you or a conjured by the mists that swirl about down here. You've got to steer a straight course, sir. Oh, you have a, an admirable sense of duty. But it, it, it strikes me that you are not a, a contented man. Now, clearly, you have a story to tell. I am a disinterested party. Why not tell it? It is difficult to explain, sir. I wouldn't want to put myself in a bad light. If I say out loud what I know I have seen and what kind of a warning is meant, then no. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear you say it. Sir... Do you plan, perhaps, to pay a return visit? Oh, yes. yes indeed, I, I, I would like to. We are becoming friends, I'd like to think, and, and I'm curious to hear more about what you believe you've seen in front of that tunnel entrance. I will try to put the whole thing into words if you ever make that return visit. Mm. Sir, I will say this much. I have most definitely seen a figure which held its arm across its face to shade its eyes, standing directly below that red warning lamp over there beside the tunnel entrance. It most definitely held its arm just like you did when you were shading your eyes up top when I first saw you. And that's when you were shouting, Hello! Below there! just as the figure did. Huh. Oh, you do leave a chap on a razor's edge, don't you? I can't help but make another visit now. Hey, can I come here tomorrow? My shift changes tonight. From tomorrow I will be on late and she'll start at nine o'clock, working through until morning. Well, would you welcome it if I came at ten in the evening and I might bring a blanket so that we can talk into the night? How does that sound? Well, you know, sir, that, that sounds very welcome. Oh, now I see our daylight has gone. I shall shine my lantern so you can see the path. But when you get to the top, 
Please don't call out. If it means so much to you... No, hello, below there. Certainly not. And will you please, sir, reassure me absolutely honestly there are no suspicious circumstances around your choice of words? I don't know what more I can say to put your mind at rest. You didn't feel those words were communicated to you by some sort of otherworldly influence, perhaps? I'm sorry for smiling, but but really, no. Absolutely not. Categorically. I don't think I've ever had a supernatural experience in my life. And I'm pretty sure I'd recognise one if it came my way. Then never mind. I'm sorry, sir. I shall look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Who's there? The temperature signalled autumn's arrival, and a full moon had begun to rise. I could see my way surprisingly well. I arrived at the tavern very late. The front door was unlocked, and I took care to remove my boots before making my way up the creaky stairs. I drank my beer and nibbled my bread and fell into a deeper less troubled sleep than I have experienced of late. Next day, I enjoyed spending the whole morning in my bed. I rose in time for luncheon and then struck out in the early evening for the signal box. It was nearly dark when I arrived at the cutting. Hello there. I say hello there! Damn it. It's exactly the time I said I'd be here. And I can't get down without a light down. Is there anybody down there? I say! Is there anybody there? Good evening oh. to you, sir. Oh. Oh. Here you are, then. Here I am, sir. I have been waiting. I made my way up so as to help you see the way down safely. I I wish you hadn't used those words. Oh, yes, uh, sorry, yes, I I forgot. Anyway, very good. Uh, Thank you. I rung the all clear on the telegraph. I won't be expected to ring again for another 45 minutes. So I took the chance and up I came. I heard a church bell. There's no church bell near enough for you to have heard, sir. Really? But, but I just... I... Oh, well, never mind. Shall we get into the warm? I'll go first. That way the light will be at the correct height to illuminate your feet. And if you slip, I shall be there to break your fall. And before we go down... Yes? I believe I ought to remind you that I am... Trusting you. I beg your pardon? I am trusting that you won't report what I say to my superiors, because if you did, that might mean I lose my employment. uh, Of course. 
You, you can rely on me. Would you be ready to shake hands on it, sir? Of course. No question. I assure you I have no hidden purpose. You have my word. And here is my hand on it. And here's mine. Now, I think we can climb down. They say that I have never felt more in need of hot, sweet tea. Thank you. See, the thing is, I took you for the man I saw standing under the red light up beside the tunnel entrance. Yeah, indeed. You said something of the sort. Yes, I mistook you for the fellow I saw two nights since. It's the way you stand and the manner in which you wave your arm and the tone of your voice. And you think he wanted you to go over there to to meet with him? I'm sure he was trying to draw me out of the signal box. His gestures were very firm, determined, much like your own, and done with the utmost passion and vehemence. And he kept calling, for God's sake, clear the way. And below there, Again and again. I went over to look down the line, away from the tunnel. I couldn't see anything of concern. I, I turned back, and there he was, still standing at the tunnel entrance, still gesturing, still calling. Indeed, his voice seemed hoarse with shouting, and when he cried, below there, it, it wasn't a light whisper on the breeze. I'm not lying when I say it rang in my ears like it would have if a workman on the line called to me. I caught up my lamp, shot out that door and, and ran towards the figure, challenging it. What's wrong? I demanded. What's happened? Where is the trouble? I ran right up to that figure and stretched out my hand to force his arm down so I could properly see the fellow's face. I pulled at his raised sleeve and had nearly uncovered his face when with a sound like, like breathing out, the entire figure vanished, snuffed out. Only a dwindling whirl of smoke was rolling into the air, like you get from a cigar. Perhaps he dashed into the tunnel. Indeed, I thought he had. My blood was up and I ran into the tunnel after him. But there wasn't anyone to be seen. You sure? Yes, indeed. I, I searched about. My temper carried me a hundred yards into the tunnel. Where are you? Damn you! What do you think you're about? I know that's how far I went because I stopped and I held my lamp above my head and I saw the white painted numerals that mark its length. I saw the wet stains on the walls and the messages where the diggers had found their artifacts. And I'll tell you at that moment fear dropped upon me. I turned from an angry man into a frightened child. And I ran for it, sir, as fast as I could. When I got out, I looked all around the red warning light at the tunnel's entrance, using my own lantern. I even went up the iron ladder to the walkway above the entrance. But fear had the better of me. I 
came down quickly like a scalded cat. I ran back in here as fast as my legs would carry me. Once inside, I went straight over there to the instrument and telegraphed both ways. An alarm has been given. Is anything wrong? The answer came back from both ways. All's well. Damn, sir. Sorry? Is that what you're about to say, sir? Listen to me. Very carefully now. Sir. To be completely honest, I wonder such a thing hasn't happened to you long ago. Sir. You are an intelligent man. You read about algebra, for heaven's sake. And yet you are condemned to such a dull time in such a dank, dark place. It is no wonder that your mind plays tricks on you. But I, I, I do not believe my mind is playing tricks, sir. The figure has dimensions. It is real. I'm convinced what I saw has existence, at least for as long as it remains visible. I have to be believed by someone, sir. But so far I have had no one except you to whom I could tell my story. If I said something to a colleague or to the masters of the railway, they would think me mad. <laughs> Looking at your eyes, I fear you also do. But you have sworn not to say anything. Indeed. If I discuss these appearances openly, I might be dismissed from my position. Just like that. I am not your enemy. I do not approve of giving living, breathing, sentient men over to work as dull as yours. Yes, but you cannot have a lunatic in charge of a length of the railways. You need a steady man who can wait out the hours, count them without concern, do what's necessary when it's necessary. I understand that. As to an imaginary cry, one has but to listen for a moment to the wind in this unnatural oh. valley, to the, to the way it sighs, and listen to the deep, dark noise it makes in the telegraph wires. So, the dreadful truth, which I apologise for keeping from you, the dreadful truth is that figure has appeared three times. And on the first and second occasions, those appearances have been followed by terrible events. What, what, what events? Within six hours of the first appearance of the apparition, there was a terrible accident. On this line. Inside that telephone. Exactly ten hours after the figure appeared, the dead and wounded were being brought out of the entrance over the very spot where it had stood. I read nothing about it. Well, not everything terrible gets into the newspaper, sir. There are interests at stake, I'm told. I, I could only imagine the effect such an awful incident must have had on a man like yourself. I, I feel sorry for you, but must say... Most sincerely, 
I believe you conjured the ghost in your imagination in order to lend some powerful significance to what was simply an accident. That accident, as you describe it, was over a year ago. Six months passed, and I believed I had recovered from the shock. When one morning, as the day was breaking, I, standing at the door, looked towards the red light and saw the man again. Yes, the same diabolical figure. Did it cry out? This time it was silent. Did it wave its arms as I did? No. It leaned against the stonework beneath the red light and covered its face with its hands in the manner of a, a grieving Madonna, like the action of mourning adopted by stone figures over tombs. I believe the tunnel was indeed a tomb in ages past. The university diggers knew that. Did you go out to confront it? No. I felt faint. I left the door wide open and sat in that chair you were sitting in now. I covered my eyes and only recovered my nerve as the sun turned the sky from black to blue. And the figure was gone. <gasps> Did you hear that? What? The telegraph bell! It didn't ring. I assure you of that. Now, please, please, compose yourself and continue. Then, the day after the figure appeared, as a train came out of the tunnel, I noticed what looked like a struggle, a confusion of heads and hands in a compartment of a carriage, and something being waved about. Flowers, perhaps. The fireman saw a blur as, as something was thrown from the train. The driver shot the power valve, levered the brakes on. Even so, the train drifted on 150 yards or more. I ran down the stairs and after it, and, and as I went, I heard shouts and screams and cries from passengers on board and men standing beside the rails. A young lady had fallen from the train, you see. And she lay there beside the track. Her body was twisted, so her lower torso pointed to the left, while her, her head and shoulders pointed to the right. Her bloody clothing saved us the sight of her torn midriff. She was wearing going away clothes. Just been married and on the way to the steamer to France. But there was no sign of her husband. He must have thrown her out, then leapt from the train and run off. See, as shocking as her appearance might be, the impression that the young woman's happiness and hopes had been dashed was worse. It's all true, sir. It happened precisely as I have told you. I don't doubt you. Now, sir, mark this and judge precisely why my mind is troubled. I have told you the figure came back a week ago for the third time. And ever since, it has made appearances when I least expect it. And I find myself avoiding looking at that spot below the light. You, you mean you move about up here trying not to look at it? Precisely, which undermines my responsibilities. But when I do see it, time after time, it's, it's, it's hiding its face, waving and shouting, for God's sake, clear the way. It calls to me for many minutes together in an agonised manner. Below there, look out, look out. It stands waving to me. 
And that damn telegraph bell seems to ring in sympathy. Tell me. Tell me, had it, in fact, only just rung when, when I arrived here yesterday? Yes. I see. Do you acknowledge that passengers might be put in danger if you are mistaking spectral rings on the telegraph for actual rings? I did, but I assure you I have not made that mistake yet, sir. I have never confused the spectral sound of the bell with the sound it makes when rung by men communicating up and down the line. The spectral ring is a strange vibration in the bell that's like nothing else. I don't wonder that you failed to hear it. But I have heard it, I assure you. Will you come to the door with me now and, and, and look for the figure? Hmm? There, indeed, is the danger light. There are the high, wet stone walls of the cutting. There are the stars above them. Tell me, can you see the figure now? It is not there. And can you hear the telegraph bell ringing now? No, sir. Correct on both counts. Close the door. Sit down again. You have lived dreading accidents occurring on the line for so long, the terrible expectation has become ingrained in you. I know how much damage the experience of tragedy can inflict. I, too, have been disturbed by experiences on the railways. I, I have written pamphlets and made speeches. I have addressed the fact that so many good men, like yourself, spend long hours awaiting the sound of that infernal warning bell. The requirements of the job are, are so tedious and rare and arbitrary that the mind, the human mind, cannot other than become ossified by awaiting them. You showed me yesterday when you tic-tacked on the telegraph box, tic-tac, hmm? and that was it. And all the while, your mind dwells on, well, who knows, everything and, and anything. It isn't healthy. So you have considered the situation of men like me previously? Yes. Yes, I told you. And have written energetically on the subject of safety on the railway. If you are known to the railway masters, then surely it's the worst for me, isn't it? My employment might be at risk if it became known to the railway that you and I have spoken. <laughs> I doubt very much that they would care enough about what I have to say to punish the likes of you. You seem very much worked up about the subject of railways. And not at all in the way I am. You, you are preoccupied with ghosts, not railways. I had to fight with myself to come down here yesterday afternoon. Descending into the perpetual gloom of your cutting, it, the descent felt like travelling into the earth. Travelling to a place where the partition between life and death is porous. And that's to do with the railways? It is. It is. I was in the first-class carriage of a train that left Folkestone for London early, at 2.38 in the afternoon. 
I later discovered the gangmaster's supervising work on the Staplehurst viaduct hadn't been updated on the time our train would pass through. I was accompanied by Ellen, a young woman who was not my wife, and her mother who sat looking disapprovingly out of the window. Repair work was taking place further up the line. The gangmaster's men had lifted two complete lengths of railway line. Suddenly, we passed a lookout with his red flag, waving frantically and screaming, Stop! Our driver shouted, Clear the way! But we, we were travelling at a, a terrifying lick. The train leapt from the tracks. Our carriage was the only one not to plunge into the river below. And from where I was, I could look down onto the mutilated and the, the bewildered thrashing about and writhing among the dead. The inferno made real. I helped Ellen and her mother from the wreckage and then did my best to help lift the dying onto the riverbank. And then, and then I, um, I abandoned them. And I, I went back up, up to the first class carriage in order to rescue the, the draft of a novel I was writing. I gave up. I gave up those who needed me in order to recover a damn book. I'm sorry for what happened to you. You will understand that I am concerned to know why the figure is visited again. And indeed, how I can help to prevent an accident such as the one you have just described. Oh, we are as one in that. So you are convinced that figure really exists? Huh? Indeed, sir. And what is its purpose? And who is at risk? Given what has happened following the figure's previous appearances, is it not to be doubted some dreadful calamity will surely take place? But what can I do? If I telegraph danger, I can give no reason for it. Message, danger, take care. Answer, what danger, where, message. Don't know, but for God's sake, take care. The railway will think I am mad. Get rid of me. And that would be no good for those who really are at risk. So why doesn't it tell me how the accident is to be averted? Or better still, why hasn't this wretched messenger gone to somebody with credibility and the power to act? Okay, I, I have come to know you as a serious and intelligent man. I trust that you believe everything oh. you say, but, but somehow you have to stand back and listen to yourself. Oh, dear. Oh, your, your anxiety has taken over from common sense. Oh, no. No, 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 no. You must not try to detain me. I need to get back to my lodgings and, and, and think through the situation. We, we shall speak tomorrow. 
In the meantime, I believe you must concentrate on one thing. And that is executing your responsibility to the travelling public. For now, not another word. Good night. Good night. We shall... We shall talk tomorrow. Mm. I climbed the bank, then looked back. There was the signalman, standing behind the window of his signal box, staring sightlessly at the tunnel. And there was the tunnel, staring back, its dark stone arch, eerily illuminated in red. Walking back, I thought hard about what to do. And sadly, I knew there was more to worry about than this man's distress. Public safety. And so I knew I had to betray his confidence. Whoever's fault it might be, sadly, he was no longer fit for responsibility. I resolved to communicate what he told me to his superiors in the railway company. There was cruelty and dishonor in what I planned, but I felt I had no choice. I slept not a wink. I knew his shift would start mid-afternoon next day, and I decided to return to the signalman to inform him of my decision. Oh, 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 in God's name! There, below me, was the tunnel entrance, and in front of it, beneath the red lamp, stood a man with his left sleeve raised in front of his eyes as he vigorously waved his right arm, demonstrating to others something of vital importance to him. No, 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 God, you don't, don't see that, no, oh my God, no, 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 who are you? What are you doing? We might ask the same of you. There's been an accident. This is no place for the curious public. Please leave. My name is Charles Dickens. I am a friend of the signalman who works in that box. Where is he? Why did you have your arms up like that? I was just demonstrating what I did to communicate with the signalman while I was trying to shut off the power to the wheels. What in God's name is that thing? That's a tent, sir. Now, please, go back up top. It's, it's not decent to have a member of the public in among all this. Where is the signalman? In that tent, 
Mr. Dickens. Call him out! I wish we could, sir, but he won't hear us. I say, do come out! He can't, can he, sir? And for that matter, if you're an acquaintance of his, why don't you even know his name? I never thought to ask. Oh, for heaven's sake, explain, will you? The signalman died this morning, sir. The man belonging to that signal box? Yes, sir. I'm sorry for your loss. And our own. He was quiet, but much liked. Do you mind taking your hat off, <laughs> sir? His face is quite composed. As if he were expecting death. You can see that. But he was very worried. Yesterday, it, it seemed to me. How, how, how did this happen? Coming through the tunnel from the other end, sir, I saw him here, like as if looking down a perspective glass. There was no time to slow down. He was standing in the middle of the track, staring off to the side of the tunnel entrance. It looked like he was talking to someone standing right there. I couldn't stop. I, I called to him as loud as I could. What did you call? I shouted, Below there! Look out! Look out! For God's sake, clear the way! Oh, it was dreadful, sir. I never left off calling him. I, I put this arm before my eyes so as not to see, and I, and I waved with this arm to the last, but it was no use. <gasps> What's the matter, sir? Oh. oh, dear God. Oh, three days ago, when I stumbled upon this place and upon him, those are exactly the words I use as I wave from up there. Shading my eyes from the sun with my left arm. Oh. Oh. That's my story. I may or may not write it. Would it be vulgar to do so? I was somehow a dupe of that which is unseen, of darkness. Wouldn't you agree? To this day, I regret I did not save the poor signalman, whatever his name might have been. In the Signalman by Charles Dickens, Adapted for radio by Jonathan Holloway. The Signalman was played by Samuel West and Charles Dickens by James Purefoy. Mrs. Carter was Sally Oreck and the train driver and the spectral driver were played by Nicholas Murchie. The railway worker was Jonathan Holloway. Sound design was by David Thomas. Original music was composed by Sarah Llewellyn. 
The director was Andy Jordan. The Signalman was a peer production for BBC Radio 4.